Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, an intern at Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas, and a seminary student. Well, Gage, excited to be back for episode seven. We've been uh, really encouraged by the response we've been getting from folks. We can log into our, our podcast hosting software and and, and we just are super excited about seeing people literally around the world that are listening uh, to the podcast. It's been super encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been great to even hear um, RUF uh, pastors uh, giving our podcast as a resource to their kids, first trying to figure out Reformed Theology. I even had a uh, fellow pastor in Puerto Rico, uh, Bradney. Uh, we called him Bam Bam in college. Uh, he's an OPC guy in Puerto Rico. Now he's thinking about doing a podcast and doing it in Spanish. And so shout out to uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Puerto Rico. Uh, it- uh, well, hey, we've been in, we've been endeavoring to explain uh, what we do on Sunday morning. Our format so far has been taking a piece of the liturgy uh, each week and talking about it. what is a liturgy, what is a corporate confession of sin, what's an assurance of pardon. We've talked about the Lord's Supper, and we've talked about the preached word. And so far, Gage, all the elements that we've talked about on assurance of pardon are elements that are in our liturgy in Hot Springs and are in your liturgy in Conway. However, today we're going to talk about one that we do every week at Hope Church, but you guys do not do, uh, and and that is a piece of liturgy called the Passing of the Peace. So today we're going to talk about exactly what that is. Okay, yeah, we we don't have a Passing of the Peace, Scott, so uh, explain to our listeners uh, what exactly that is. Well, yeah, good question. Let me let me give a little bit of backdrop of what it what it often maybe looks like to the uninitiated. If you've ever been to a, a church as a first time visitor, one of the things that you'll often see is you'll see um, uh, a a greeting of the visitors time or some point early in the service. The minister will say, "If you're a first time visitor, uh, would you keep your seat and all of our regular attenders stand up and." greet them and everybody kind of especially the introverts kind of feel like they stick out like a sore thumb and i've heard you i know you and i both have heard stories from people who just cringe at being singled out or spotlighted as a visitor people are already uncomfortable enough when they visit a church um and so sometimes so first thing i want to say is our passing of the peace is not just a sort of a fancy way to um, have a meet and greet, but there's some theology behind it. Um, in our service, as we've talked about before, we have a corporate confession of sin. Uh, 
where we're, whereby we corporately confess that we've sinned and what we have done and what we have left undone. We have the, I, the minister, uh, share an assurance of our pardon from the scripture, a, a, a verse from scripture that, rem, that, that, a, promises of our pardon according to scripture you know if, if we if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and then i will say something i will say since god has forgiven us in christ let us also forgive one another the peace of our lord jesus christ be with you all and the congregation will say and also with you And then I will say, would you please stand as we pass the peace to our neighbors? And everybody in the sanctuary will get up and will mill around and will shake hands with one another and say, the peace of Christ, peace of Christ, and also with you, peace of Christ, and also with you. And it's milling around. And again, if you've never been there, it just looks like we're just having a uh, a last minute meet and greet for those people that you didn't get a chance to say hello to when we were in the lobby drinking coffee. But it is, it is so much more than that. And there is so much going on there that is important that we do. Yeah, I've, you know, been to your church and uh, my wife and I have both been. She's one of those introverts that every time, um, there is the meet and greet, you know, some, some churches even have like a, almost like an intermission or a coffee break before the sermon. Yeah. Um, and um, at first, her kind of initial gut was, okay, they're going to do the passing of the peace. It's my time to go to the bathroom, right? right. Like <laughs> that, And that's probably most introverts that are uh, don't love the, the meet and greet, the welcoming um, time. But uh, it, this is definitely something different. And, and even experiencing it at Hope Church, uh, it felt like something more. It's not just an assault on the introverts. Uh, it's not just um, a coffee break intermission between songs, getting ready for the sermon. Um, it's also, um, it's not Catholic necessarily. Um, not that, that everything um, that our Catholic brothers and sisters do are necessarily bad. Um, but it, but it's something more than that. Um, as you mentioned, Scott, it, it's an extension of the assurance of pardon, right? So, so talk to us a little bit about what we mean by passing peace. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Well, what, what we do as the body of Christ, when we gather is we gather corporately, we are uh, the, the, the whole idea of going to church is not just for me to have a special personal experience between me and Jesus. And in some sort of way in which I come into the, the, this sanctuary that I can kind of cocoon myself off and then I grow all by myself. You know, a caterpillar cocoons itself and changes uh, while being separated from the rest of the world. And that's not the picture we have of the church. The picture of the church is that we grow and change in community with one another. We are a body. We are the body of Christ. And so all of the New Testament is written to, is written to congregations, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Philippi, to the saints at Rome. And, and so what we are saying is that the, the implication of my being forgiven my being assured of my forgiveness, me now, the implication of my realization that I have been, because of the work of Christ, I am at peace with God. The implication is then that I now, in response to that, should go and extend forgiveness 
to my neighbor. I need to let my fellow brother and sister in Christ know that they are that that not only are they at peace with God, but that we're at peace with one another. That there's not enmity and strife. You know, when 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 Paul writes to the church at Philippi, uh, he's writing to a congregation that has that has enmity and strife and divisions and conceit and rivalry. And he says, make my joy complete by being of one accord, by not being at odds with one another. And so what, what the passing of the peace does is it's our reminder that, that, that our forgiveness that is vertical between, uh, between me and my heavenly father now calls me in response to that to go and extend that forgiveness to, uh, to our neighbor. And, uh, we, we, we draw so much of this meaning gauge from, from what Jesus says in Matthew 18. And the, the first part of Matthew 18 is kind of the famous church discipline passage, right? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Then Peter uh, came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Uh, I think that Peter is, is, thinks that he's throwing out a pretty impressive number to, to, to Jesus, you know, as though, as, uh, let's, let's rein this in a little bit, Jesus. I mean, we don't, let's not get ridiculous with this forgiveness. I mean, how many times I know that the court system has a three strikes and you're out rule. Do we have something like that? I mean, we can't let people be like the boy who cried wolf. We got to cut them off. Um, how many times? Seven times? And, you know, I, I think that Peter thinks he's being pretty generous, that maybe he, maybe Peter's expecting Jesus to go, well, not seven. Let's not be ridiculous, Peter. Well, right. I think five well, is more than enough. Right. Well, and, and, he, and even more than that, uh, this, this concept and this, this idea, and this may be where you were going, um, of of seven is this this idea of completion in the the Middle Eastern culture and context, right? Like right. if you had had seven um, daughters, you would have a complete set of daughters. If you had seven of anything, it was you know, your life was full for you. So right. the, the, in the opposite the direction here, uh, the idea is um, not only has someone offended you. But they have offended you in the worst possible way repeatedly, seven times. They, they have constantly to the uttermost offended you. And you think surely after a while, right? We, we, we see all these articles and blogs and podcasts about toxic people and getting toxic people out of, out of your life all the time, right? Yeah. Like surely the, the one that offends you seven times, that's a toxic person. We need to go ahead and let them go, right? But the reality of the matter is we're totally depraved, right? We are sinful people. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Hey, guess what? 
we are um, our own disease, as Switchfoot said, right? Like we are the toxic people. We're the ones that have utterly offended a holy and righteous God. We're the ones that have offended seven times. And so that this exchange here um, between Jesus and Peter is this idea of what do you do with someone that has offended you to the uttermost? And what you do with that person is you realize that that person is a picture of exactly what we are like before our Heavenly Father. Right. Like, that's exactly uh, a a person who continues to disappoint you over and over again, a person who continues to screw up and a person who is constantly needing your forgiveness is a picture of exactly what I'm like as I as I come before God. I, I never get to where I'm just crushing it. And so Jesus tells a story to Peter to illustrate his point, what he means when he says 70 times seven. Uh, in other words, an innumerable number of times. He says in Matthew 18, starting at verse 23, he says, Therefore, in other words, in light of what I just said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, now 10,000 talents was an incredible amount of money. Think millions of dollars in today's currency. And the servant, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you back everything. Now, the truth is 10,000 talents is an amount he probably would not have been able to pay back. He had a debt he, he could not pay, but he was offering to pay it back. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. So the, the master showed pity, showed mercy to the man who owed him more than he could ever repay. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea here, if you have, uh, some Bibles have the footnote, um, it's one talent is 20 years worth of wages, and this is 10,000 of 20 years worth of wages, yeah. right? The idea is a infinity, a, an eternal amount of debt was owed uh, to this uh, man, one that there's no way in the world, even putting you and your children and your family and your servants in indentured servanthood to try to pay it off, a, a lifetime of slavery there wouldn't uh, suffice to cover the debt. And that that's a picture of where we are in relationship to God, right? Like our sin has um, offended a holy and righteous God. And I, I explain it this way all the time, that the higher the authority, the bigger the consequence, right? Like, Scott, if you and I uh, get into a fight and I hit you, we're, we may go to jail, we may not go to jail, you're probably going to hit me back. That's about the extent of the consequence, right? If I hit a cop, I'm definitely going to jail. That's if right. I assault uh, the president... Now, please, FBI or anybody else listening, I'm not actually going to assault the president. Don't, don't come for me. But like, if I, if I somehow did that, then I, my, um, the consequences, the, the sentencing would be infinitely greater because the authority is infinitely higher, right? So our sin has offended a holy and righteous God. Our debt against him outside of Christ is one that we could never possibly repay. That, that's why hell is eternal. 
right? That's right. Like, like that, that is in relationship to the one that we have offended. Um, and here, this parable paints that picture, but then we, we learn some more what happens next. So go ahead, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, it says, but when that same servant, the servant who was just, uh, his debt was forgiven, his debt was wiped away, a debt he could never pay. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a, a hundred denarii is a, a denarii. A denarius was a one day's wage. So he owes him, you know, three months, three and a half months of pay, right? A very, very small amount of money. Uh, um, it is an amount that, that truly could be paid back over time. Uh, he found one of his servants who owed him a hundred denarius and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Notice that this fellow servant makes the same appeal to pay that his friend had made, except his appeal is actually realistic, right? It actually is, it actually is a, a debt that's actually payable. Verse 30, he refused to, 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 to forgive him. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger... His master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So Jesus is responding to Peter's question about how many times we're to forgive. And he's telling this parable to teach that the amazing forgiveness that we received should necessarily drive us to forgive our neighbors. And so every week we say, since God has forgiven us in Christ, let us also forgive one another. Peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all and also with you. You know, we are unable to sin against Gage. I am, it is impossible for me to sin against you in as large a way as I have sinned against God time and time again. Our, our sin debt, the debt that we have been forgiven is enormous. And the striking thing about the king's forgiveness is that it comes at the expense of the king. The king has a debt that he, uh, the, 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 the king Absolutely. is owed a debt. And, and when he forgives it, that means that he's taking that debt onto himself. He is taking the punishment of that debt onto himself in his forgiveness. And, and, and that's exactly what we see on the cross that Jesus Christ was, uh, he paid an infinite debt. Uh, of, of, with something of infinite value, and that is his own precious blood, his own body. He is the, the perfect sacrifice. He was turned over the tor- tormentors. He was bound, and he on the cross had the life choked out of him, not until he paid everything that he owed, but he, until he paid everything that we owed. You know, and if you Amen. get that, if you, if that sinks in, and if you understand the enormity of what Christ has done, then you'll see the ridiculousness of holding a grudge against your neighbor, the impossibility of being unwilling 
to see a repentant or brother or sister restored to fellowship. Because let's remember, Gage, the context of this is restoring a brother and sister to fellowship in the church. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's and that's the thing is at the end of the day, if you understand that you have been forgiven an infinite amount, you now should be a person who forgives infinitely. And so as we bring it back to passing the peace, since I have heard the gospel proclamation in light of who God is, I now understand who I am in Christ. And I've heard the way of salvation. I've heard the assurance of pardon that I am actually forgiven because of what Christ has done on my behalf, past, present, and future. I now can extend the peace of Christ to you, brother, to you, sister. And it's not just uh, a formality. I'm not just shaking your hand and saying some sort of incantation because we're going through the motions. And so I should say, peace of Christ, so you'll say, and also with you. I really and truly, once I understand the gospel, believe that because the Prince of Peace is the King, and because we are his subjects in his kingdom, that there's real peace to be had in the church. There's real peace to be found in the finished work of Jesus, that the Prince of Peace has come. And if you show up on Sunday, a lot of times people think they have to have it all together when they they come to Sunday. Uh, But the reality of the matter is, we don't have it all together. And the Lord invites you to cast your burdens onto him because he cares for you. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Sometimes the week is wearing us out. I mean, Scott, it, it's taken us. We're, this is round two of even trying to record this podcast, right? You had to get a, a different mic. Work weeks are hard. Life is hard. Parenting is hard. And I have a newborn. We haven't slept much. My wife even more so. Sometimes we we roll into Sunday's absolutely drained and weary some even our relationships break apart i got a a a text from a friend today that they're um filing for divorce like some sometimes life hits you in the face and you just need some peace and that's the good news of the gospel that in Christ, not because of what you've done or how much you can muster up or white knuckle your way in, but in your brokenness and your weariness and your draining, tired um, experiences in life, um, you can come and hear that the peace of Christ is for you. Amen. So in light, in light of that reality, Scott, the, the peace of Christ be with you, brother. And also with you, you know what? What's amazing about this is is one. Uh, we're not actually just teaching this sort of liturgical thing that we're to do on Sunday morning, but what the liturgy is trying to do is it's trying to shape us as followers of Jesus. It's trying to show us a pattern, uh, just as we should be quick to be to confess our sins. Like I, I don't need to wait until Sunday to confess my sins. Uh, I need to, I need to keep a short account with God that uh, it's teaching me a pattern of reminding me to confess my sins, reminding me that he's faithful and just to forgive me and reminding me that I cannot continue to hold a grudge against my neighbor. And what I see most beautifully in, 
in the passing of the peace is is not so much uh tom uh forgiving a uh, harry across the other side of the sanctuary so often what what you find is that this is the the the, the peace that needs to be passed is between family members think about how many families are screaming at each other the entire morning getting ready for church and the entire drive to church and and so so often what what i as a pastor have to do is i have to apologize to my wife. I have to go and she and I both need to be reminded of the gospel and, and pass the peace of Christ to one another. And so we see families being reminded of, of their identity in Christ and reconciling with one another um, because, because of what Christ has done. Um, some Amen. people, some people hear this and they say, you don't know, you don't understand. You don't understand what, what I've been how badly I've been wounded. You don't understand how badly I've been scarred by someone, by, by a friend, by a neighbor, by a family member. I want, I hear what you're saying. I want to forgive them. I've tried to forgive them, but I, I just can't. And I get that. But in the parable that Jesus uses to illustrate this, he's not giving a parable of someone who's trying to be forgiving and can't. He's telling about someone who's trying as hard as they can to not forgive. Uh, and so if, if you, if you are, if you know that you need to forgive someone and you are struggling to do that, then that's a good place to be. That's exactly, uh, continue to look to the cross and pray the, and look at the cost of the, uh, that it costs to reconcile you to God and pray for the Spirit's help that you can forgive someone who has wronged you just as you've been forgiven. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott, that is our time, brother. Just a, a few things as we get ready to wrap up, uh, a few housekeeping items. Um, the first is um, we are looking for sponsors. We'd, we'd love to uh, promote your ministry, uh, nonprofit or business. We'd love to hear about it um, to help cover uh, some of the expenses to run the show. Uh, so if that's something you're interested in, we'd love to hear from you. If you would uh, send us a message either uh, through our website at Assurance of pardon.com or through um, our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, uh, or uh, consider becoming a supporter. We're always looking uh, for supporters um, through Patreon. So if you would uh, be sure and either find the link in our show notes or visit uh, assuranceofpardon.com and click on the link there. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And, and as always, you can stay up to date on our website. Again, that's assuranceofpardon.com. Thank you to every single listener out there. This is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.